Opening up our box, Acts chapter 13, and getting into God's Word today, amen? Lots of good fellowship happening. I always hate to break, break up the fellowship, but we devote ourselves to more than just the fellowship, but also to the Word of God, amen? So we're going to have some Word of God for us this morning, continuing to walk through uh, the book of Acts, and if you're visiting with us, welcome. Uh, we try to, we are in the middle of a series going through the book of Acts. We started in January, and we're about halfway done, about halfway through the year, but I do think the rest of the year is going to go a little quicker uh, than so far, because what we're doing is we're at a turning point in the book of Acts. Once again, we're uh, at the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys. Paul's missionary journeys is kicking off here in Acts 13, and the rest of the book really is the adventure of the mission and the mission journey, and all of us are on a mission. All of us have a mission from God, and we're going to get that into a minute, but I actually have a, a PowerPoint for us today uh, that adds more than just the verses. I actually have a table we'll be getting into, those of you who like tables, um, but the subtitle of our message today is From Comfort Zone to the Calling Zone. From Comfort Zone to Calling Zone. You know, uh, what does Paul's missionary journeys have to do with us? We're not going to go to Cyprus today, probably. Uh, none of you are on a mission team to Cyprus, uh, maybe. I want to put anything outside of God. So, so uh, what does this have to do uh, with us? Well, I think it has a lot to do with God always calling us out of our comfort zone and into our calling zone. Now, um, this, is, um, this is the map. You know, one of the things you're going to see a lot of the rest of the book of Acts is maps. And like I said, here, we go from Antioch to Cyprus to uh, uh, Persidia Antioch today. Next week, I'm excited to announce that Mr. Brunicki, Tim Brunicki, is preaching. And he's going to take us from Antioch to Iconium and Lystra and Derby and back. So that's uh, uh, exciting. And uh, um, then after that, the next week, Zach Anderson and I are going to be co-preaching on the Jerusalem Conference. Uh, and Zach just did a... Uh, awesome paper on the Jerusalem conference for his graduate school class. So we're going to take advantage of that. Amen. So that's the, uh, the following week. But, uh, um, you know, what's this got to do uh, with us? I want to talk a little bit about uh, comfort. There we go. Comfort. Okay. Comfort. Uh, who of us enjoys a little comfort? Amen. And uh, uh, there's kind of two definitions to comfort, or two, this is straight out of uh, Google, uh, so it's true, of course. Um, so the first definition is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. Um, the second definition is the easing or the alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. Now, you may think, I don't know how you feel about comfort, but comfort is actually a 
characteristic of God. He's even one of God's names. The name for the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. Uh, God is known as the God of all comfort, and he comforts those. I think, though, he's primarily uh, more number two. Okay, He alleviates the burden of our guilt and our sins and the consequences, and he comes and not only forgives us, but comforts us in the trials of life. All right? But um, it's interesting how number two, that kind of comfort can turn into a pursuit of number one. <laughs> and comfort becomes a goal in life, actually, but it's not the God kind of comfort. It's the worldly kind of comfort. Are you with me there? And we have our comfort foods, right? We had a little comfort food earlier today. Uh, pancakes for me. That sausage is very comforting. Um, we have our comfort drinks. I had a comfort drink yesterday, a large uh, peppermint mocha from Caribou with lots of whipped cream. Whenever they ask, would you like the whipped cream? I'm like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> of course. You know, is, uh, is the Pope Catholic? I mean, um, you know, uh, um, so we all have things that comfort us maybe in a not very spiritual way, right? And it's interesting how we can start to get comfortable around God in Christianity, and our comfort becomes actually a vice and can make us extremely uncomfortable long uh, term. So the Spirit of God emboldens Paul to leave his comfort zone and go into his calling zone. Amen? All of us have a calling from God. So when we talk about, I'm going to go back here now. When we talk about our maps from the rest of the journey, point at this one, um, I want you to think about what's my map? What's the work that God has for me? And I want to read, uh, just pick up where we left off last week, verse 4. And I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible uh, today. It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. Let me, actually, let me back up uh, one, one or two verses. It says, uh, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Spirit had a very specific work. Now, work just doesn't mean like eight to five, but it means um, what God can use us to do, a work of God. Um, now, that also doesn't mean it's not eight to five work, because a lot of our eight to five work is... Uh, a ministry. Amen? We can't separate that. But there's a work to which God has called each of us. And that's what that map is for Paul. But you got your own map. Amen? You got your own map, your own ministry, your own uh, vision, your own calling, your own work uh, that God has prepared and called you to. Okay? Uh, so that's what I want us to think about from comfort zone to calling zone. Okay, let's read. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. It says, So, 
being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Boy, the, boy I'm not going to have enough time for all the stuff i got to say today. Uh, there's so much. This really is the first. So, so far the gospel has spread from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria, okay, and up to Antioch, over to Africa. But so far, the means of its spreading has been more what could be classified as kind of a scattering. Does that make sense? So for, because of persecution, the disciples scattered. And it's been kind of a, a, a randomness to the spreading. Okay, a little conversion here. Ethiopian eucalypt gets baptized, goes to Africa, and the gospel spreads. Amen? And that's good. But here, in the rest of the time on, we see that there's more of an intentional spreading, more of a strategic spreading. Does that make sense? Through the church that has, decided, that has come together and fasted and prayed and said, we want to strategically uh, go to these certain places. And God uses both, all right? So for the very first place here is they sailed to Cyprus. Now, um, who's on this journey? Paul and Barnabas, right? And with them, John. And why did they choose Cyprus? Well, where is Barnabas from? Where's Barnabas from? Cyprus, right? And so a lot of times God takes us not just from place to place, but from people to people. Barnabas, these are my people. I want to go to Cyprus. Let's go, all right? Okay, verse 5. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who's also known as Paul, so let's stop, actually, let's stop right there, okay? Um, so you see instantly this pattern of when the gospel spreads, what's going to happen? Opposition, right? You have the gospel advancing, and you have someone, some group of people opposing the advancement of the gospel. And that's the same way it works today. That's the same way it works in your own soul. You have the Word of God trying to get in, trying to advance, trying to fill, trying to transform, trying to bring into your guilt God's grace, trying to bring into your shame God's light, trying to bring into uh, your sinfulness righteousness, okay? And yet there's another force opposing this. And it's exactly what we see here in, in Cyprus, and it's what we see the rest of the book of Acts and the rest of history um, till today. And there's a lot of lessons to that, but I'm going to read on. Okay. Um, but Saul, okay, so you got this guy, Sergius Paulus, who's uh, pro-council, basically it means he's the governor, okay? So he, he may be like 
the president of Cyprus, okay? So he's a leader, he's, uh, but he's open. He's wanting to hear the word of God. He's uh, um, wanting to listen, but yet there's some, another force of evil, Elemas, who's trying to twist the word of God, and he's a false prophet, it says, and he's trying to twist it and steal it, okay? But Paul, let's listen. It's very important to know how does Paul and Barnabas respond to this guy. But Saul, who's also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, do you ever have a parent say, look at me? You ever had that? You ever have a teacher say, excuse me, and they just stand? Teachers have a way, don't they? They just stand there. Sometimes they just stand there quiet. Like I've seen Chrissy do this at Bible Talk. She, she has a way in Nicole. They just have a way of like looking at you until you pay, are paying attention. And it's very effective. I, always, I already get a little bit of afraid. Um, but I had a dad. I had a dad who would get my attention. Woo! And uh, uh, this is what you sense here with Paul. It says that he fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. Do you remember how God got Paul's attention? And it's interesting how Paul now is like, God needs to get your attention, my friend. Except he didn't call him his friend. Call him the son of the devil. And now it's interesting. Well, you remember what this guy's name was? It was Bar, son of Jesus, or salvation. Jesus means salvation, one who saves. So his name was son of salvation. But who he actually was, was son of Satan. And Satan has worked the same way ever since. The name looks all good on the outside. But on the inside, when it's a false message, it is not a son of Jesus. It's not a son of God. It is a son of Satan himself, the enemy of all that's good. Whew. Paul, how do you really feel here, right? Like, could you just be honest? He's so straightforward and uh, uh, honest with the truth. He went about seeking those. So blindness, darkness fell on him. He went blind, and he, and he went about seeking those who could lead him by the hand. Who do you think was available to lead him by the hand? If he was open, I bet Paul and Barnabas would lead him by the hand and bring him to the truth. But we don't know if he was open or not. We don't know if he got humbled or not. But he certainly had opportunity right here. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. He saw this miraculous sign, and he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. I want to, see, I want to go to our first table. Okay? Here's our table. Acts 13. All right? Um, in, in all of these journeys, you're going to have uh, the messenger. You're going to have the message. You're going to have how the message was received. And you're going to have right along with it, opposition. 
Every time, you're going to have opposition. But then how that opposition was overcome, okay, and the results. So, so far, we see the Paul and Barnabas sent by the Spirit, proclaiming the Word of God. Amen? Um, that was their message, the Word of God. Our message is not the Chippewa Valley Church. Our message is the Word of God. Amen? It's Jesus. All right? Um, Sergius Paulus was intelligent, okay? Uh, someone who's a thinker. Don't ever be deceived. This whole science versus faith argument, that's, that's a bunch of hooey, okay? Thinkers almost always come to the conclusion of God, right? People who don't think, we would just want to punt on the third down, they like, to, they like there to not be a God because it's very convenient for their lifestyle. But thinkers come to the conclusion, this guy is intelligent. He initiated, I want to hear the word of God. He's eager, he's aggressive, okay? Um, despite the falseness that was going around him, despite the opposition, he saw through it. He saw through it to the truth. He saw God's power and he believed and he was in awe, okay? Now that would be peachy keen, right? That would just be awesome if that's all what went on. But it's not that way. There's opposition, okay? And so Elamus here is opposition. And let's talk about Paul filled with the Spirit. I think Luke makes, wants to make sure that we know that Paul's reaction was not just out of anger or frustration. Let me, make, let me re recheck. I think he probably was angry because God gets angry. Are you with me there? Now, it's not a fit of rage. It's slow to anger. But God, when dealing with false things in those who oppose, how did God handle King Herod at the end of chapter 12? It was not all, you know, Grandpa God. Okay, he was filled with the Spirit, and he boldly Elamus. Bold confrontation. See, if we want to be a people of the Word of God, then we got to be preachers of the good news. But we also got to be preachers of the bad news. Right? Are we willing to do that? And by the way, when I say preachers, I don't mean the preacher. I mean everyone. Can we go to our friends and offer warnings like we're going to see later? Concerns? And even um, what Paul was here, boldly confronted. You are a child of the devil. You're an enemy of all that's good and right. You are deceived. You are perverted. You are perverse. Jesus said, this perverse generation. Making the straight, I love where the New American Standard says, the straight ways of God. See, God makes, God is not confusing with right and wrong. It's pretty clear. It's pretty straight. But Satan likes to come in and make it crooked. Well, I don't know. How about we'd have what's wrong and what's right. How about we mix them together a little bit and make sure we don't judge. Okay? You are perverse, and you will be opposed by God. Sometimes when we're being prideful with one another, maybe we need to say, and pull out not just Gracie Grace verse, 
But 1 Peter 5, bro, listen, God opposes the proud. And it's no secret to everyone around here that you are being really prideful. When's the last time we had that kind of conversation? Right? We must. We must. It's the only way to stay on the straight and narrow, not just individually, but collectively. Okay. All right. Let's read on. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. Okay, let's see if we can go back to our map. Can I turn this off? There it is. Ellen's helping me. Okay. Uh, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Ooh, bummer. This, there's nothing said about why John left. But we know from chapter 15 that it, w- it, it wasn't good. Right? It wasn't good. Some sort of betrayal. Some sort of abandonment. Maybe, it just, maybe the journey got hard. It was up. They're starting to go up in the mountains. Maybe he got sick. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but we do know that Paul, um, it, it, it hurt him. And he lost confidence in John Mark for a while. But then we know at the end that John was useful to Paul in his ministry. So there was some sort of reconciliation or redemption that went on there. Um, but it's not good for us to abandon our mission. You know, what's it going to take for us to leave our mission, to leave our map, right? Um, That will always reap its consequences. Verse 14, but going on from Perga, they arrived in Pisidian Antioch, and on Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them, saying, during fellowship break, in time of coffee getting, they're like, hey, if you got a message of exhortation, then, dude, let's go. All right? Amen. Um, brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. Paul stood up, motioned with his hand, and said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them. In the wilderness, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. See, a man after a God's own heart just doesn't mean like you got a lot of warm fuzzies toward Jesus. It means someone who will do all the will of God. Now, I love warm fuzzies toward Jesus. Nothing wrong with them, right? But the, where the rubber meets the road is never how you feel. It's always about what you do. What verse am I on? 23. From the descendants of this man, according to a promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, I love that. While John was completing, I hope I can complete my course someday and then just go off on into the promised land. Uh, He kept saying, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet. I'm not worthy to untie. 
Brethren, sons of Abraham's family and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. And they found no ground for putting him to death. They asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, is spoken this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through whom everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. So right here, he's basically communicating throughout. He's talking to Jews who know the law and who know the Jewish history primarily. And he's saying, listen, all throughout history, there was a pointing toward the Messiah, pointing toward, and this Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. And our people, the Jews, put him to death. But the actual putting to death fulfilled the law and the prophets that we're reading today in the synagogue. Okay? The reading you just read. This is Jesus. And he raised from the dead, and the witnesses have seen it. What, one person? No, hundreds appeared many times, and it's a fact. So he's trying to, see, the church was not in opposition to the Jews. There was never this, let's make the church and let's kick out the Jews. It was a, no, the fulfillment of the Jews is Jesus and now the people of God. Amen? Does that make sense? Following Jesus. Uh, there wasn't really an intense separation until later on, Okay. This is why Paul's first, I got to go to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Okay? So he gives them the preparation for the Messiah and then the declaration that Jesus was the Messiah was and is. But now a warning. A warning. See, the Word of God gives us the good news, but also gives us the warning. Therefore, take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel, and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you would never believe, though someone should describe it to you. This is Habakkuk chapter 1. If you want to know what he's talking about, see, the Jews knew the scriptures from, like, memory verses. So Psalm 22, uh, why have you forsaken me? Right, that Jesus quoted. It wasn't just God has forsaken me. It brings to mind the whole psalm. That's how they memorized. So this is a Habakkuk chapter 1 reference. And the Habakkuk chapter 1 reference is talking about you are the people of God. You think you're okay. You think you're doing all good. But you don't realize that right now I'm raising up nations to humble you because you're missing the boat completely. 
Man, do we need a Habakkuk 1 message today. Thousands of people brought, bought in to false religions and false teachings and false, false gospels, thinking they're okay. Thinking you're okay is one of the most dangerous things to think because it dulls you to the fact that you may not be. Okay? So Paul's warning them, Jews, don't miss the message. Don't miss it. This is about Jesus, and you need to come to Jesus in order to really come into life eternal. And by the way, you've been tried to be justified by the law, and how's that working for you? It's not, is it? But Jesus can justify you from all the things that your human efforts have been unable to. And the same is true for us today. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, so let's listen to the initial reception of the message. Paul and Barnabas were going out. The people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Oh, this bros, awesome. Please come back. You're great. Now in the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. So far, so good. Gets even better. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Guess what? They had pancakes that day. And so all everyone came, or maybe it was the potluck. I don't know. No, it was the word of God. That's what it was. But the people were so inspired, they had to bring their friends. See, when you're open and you're amazed and you love the word of God, I can't, you can't keep it to yourself. You said you weren't going to talk about it, but you can't. You've got to bring your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones and your enemies, etc. You know, I was so inspired by Christy this last week who invited her boss to church. But should I really be that inspired? That's what we should all be doing all the time. Amen? Okay. Well, I, can, I think I can still be inspired. All right. But listen, though. Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with joy because so many were coming to hear the, the word of God. Or maybe there was another force at work. Once again, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul. It's interesting. Jealousy produced the opposition and the contradiction, the making the straight rays crooked. Um, and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. I think he was being a little sarcastic, actually. He says, I guess you guys just don't think yourself worthy enough to go to heaven. Okay, I'm going to the Gentiles. Paul was like a beast, man. He was like, I'm not messing around. I'm not here to soothe your ego needs. You don't think you're good enough to go to heaven? Well, I'm going to the Gentiles then. Oh, how do you think that went over? Um, Behold, we're turning the Gentiles, for the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing. Woohoo! Yeah, that's right, Poe. You're coming to us, right? They didn't like the Jews anyway. I always looked down on them. Uh, as many had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now, I want to I hop into real quick this 
the same. As many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. There's extreme predestinarians who say, this verse right here means that you have no choice in the matter. If you're predestined to become a Christian, then you're going to become a Christian. You have no choice in the matter. But wait a second. What happened a few verses earlier? Got to catch up over here. Um, in verse 46, it says that uh, um, since you repudiate it or since you refuse the word of God. So right here in the same text, you have people making a choice. So we're not, this isn't in a class on Calvinism or predest, you know, all that sort of thing. But there, uh, is there some sense of God is working in your life and moving and prompting you to go, absolutely, God works in people's lives. And yet, there is also a human element of choice. Amen? And our sinfulness and our corrupt nature does not eliminate the responsibility to choose this day whom we will serve. Does that make sense? So we must be able, these doctrinal arguments that want us to push us to one side or another, there is a way to be like, yes, God does choose and elect and predestined a people, not an individual, a people, and individually there is a choice to make. And it's like, well, which is it, one or the other? And we can say, mm-hmm. We can say yes. Amen? Because God's bigger than our human willing desire to push it to one way or another. If you have questions about that, come talk to me. It's a good study. Okay, um, where were we? Um, uh, verse 49, and, and the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Did the opposition stop the word of the Lord? Never in the book of Acts does the opposition stop the spread of the word. But the Jews incited the devout women. Oh, they got the women going. Okay. Um, sorry, I need to say that. Uh, just what the Bible says it. Uh, of prominence and the leading men of the city. Uh, amen. And instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But... They shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Did the opposition steal the joy of the disciples? Nope. Did the opposition stop the word of God from spreading? Nope. Did the opposition discourage Paul and Barnabas so much that they said, I can't handle the rejection. And they went back to Antioch till they could get encouraged enough to move on. Nope. They're like, okay, whatever. We're moving on. Right? You don't get the sense of, and I can struggle with that so much. Like, oh, so-and-so wasn't open, and they didn't become a Christian, and oh, 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 oh. And it's like, okay, well, my job is to preach the word. People's job is to respond to the word. I just got to do my job. Let the people do their job. Amen? But if I get discouraged at the response of the people, then what's going to happen to the next generation and the next generation? Okay? What if Paul and, Paul and Barnabas didn't go to Iconium? then Tim won't get to preach next week. No, there's souls there that Jesus is like, shake the dust off your feet and move on. 
Okay, boy, oh boy. This section, okay? Who, who's doing that? Okay, yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, John left, Paul Barnabas. The message was all about Jesus. The reception, awesome, okay? Overcomers, they honored God's word. They believed, filled with joy. Word of God spread, etc. We got this here. Here's the opposition part. They rejected the word, considered themselves unworthy. Paul, once again, said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Nope. He answered them boldly with the truth. He never backed off. He never backed off of the truth. And therefore, they were expelled. Dude, that's your choice to expel us. We're going to preach the word wherever we go. Okay? They were jealous. They were abusive. They incited the leaders and the women. They were persecuted. They were expelled. Um, and they followed, and they didn't just leave it at that. Once Paul and Barnabas said, they're like, we're going to keep following you and stir it up wherever you go. Okay? Tim will get to that more later. Let's draw some conclusions. All right? Some principles. The Holy Spirit sends, fills, and emboldens. He is doing the same for you and I today. What's your work? What's the work you've been called to? Are you taking that leap of faith? Are you taking the risk in embracing the adventure? I want to talk just a few of you. I'm so, most of you I'm inspired by. But I remember Travis and Chrissy deciding we're going to adopt and then embark them on their missionary journey, right? Their map. Remember, Ned and Terry, we're going to start a ministry to the special needs kids in our community. And that leap, that emboldened moment, embarked them onto opening doors and meeting needs. And now it's turning into a Bible talk in our church. And God has, has them on their missionary journey. But not just that. I remember Tim Bernicke deciding, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to go on my own. It's like, oh, I'm going to do it. And it was a leap of faith. And that leap of faith has blessed him and his family. But it's not just that. There's inroads in relationships all through Eau Claire, all through the area in which he is leveraging to preach the word of God and bring a blessing to. Amen? Um, Phil and Tina, at some point, Tina's like, I think I'll go to med school. Phil's like, oh, <laughs> can you imagine that conversation? Um, but, but the leap that, that, you know, Cole was baptized a week ago and all the costs he had to count about leaving his future. He had a map. He had a map, but it wasn't God's map. It was a worldly map of worldly ambition. He says, I'm getting rid of that map and I'm taking on Jesus's map. I'm going to seek him first in his kingdom and I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave my past upbringing, and what it, no matter what, I'm going to find a job. I don't have a place to live in Eau Claire. I don't have a job, but I got Jesus. <laughs> Amen? And, uh, and the place he was going to move into uh, burned last week. So, but uh, God will still provide. Okay, uh, Zach Anderson says, you know what? I feel a calling to be a teacher of the Word of God. Um, and I'm going to start going to graduate school to learn the Word of God. And he just finished his first class and passed. Job Zach, right? But do you see what I'm talking about? All of us got a map. All of us got a calling. It involves the church. It involves our careers. It involves our neighbors. It involves all kinds of things. But if God is calling and working you, then there's a people. There's the Sergius Paulus that's ready and waiting and eager to come to God.
You just may not know them yet. Does that make sense? There's the people who are going to be filled with the gospel and the spirit and joy. Um, are you willing to be emboldened out of your comfort zone and into your calling zone? We got to pray for communion. Take a